there's so many conditions out there that the VA can give you benefits and, and compensation for that they had no clue. They had they did not realize. You can grind your teeth at night. You know, that's that's up to thirty percent. If you've ever had dry eyes in your life, that's ten percent. If you've ever been scared, what do you think happens to your heads? They get sweaty. That's thirty percent. For real? Here's another episode about Boosted Suits. Um, I'm James Pitts. I have Herbert Garcia with me, and we are blessed to have AJ Tyler as our guest today. Uh, me and AJ go back, way back to our young sailor days. Uh, did a couple combat tours together. Um, now we're both retired. Um, welcome, AJ. Uh, AJ, would you uh, start with telling us a little bit about uh, your bio? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I... I uh... I joined the uh, I joined the Navy in uh, June of 1999, and uh, I started out at uh, at First Marine Division. Um, was my first uh, was my first duty station as a hospital corpsman, and um, after about three years there, I went to uh, Naval Health Clinic Hawaii, which was which was kind of a weird time because, you know, that was around 2004 to 2008. And we were like really in the thick of OIF and OEF. So I, I I only spent about a year and a half on shore duty in Hawaii before I was, I was augmented. And I ended up, uh, I ended up over at third Marines for about a year and a half, uh, to deploy in support of, uh, OEF. And then, uh, when I came back from that tour, um, I had a few months left on shore duty. Um, my detailer told me I had to go back to sea, and then uh, and then being a a, a, a field uh, medical technician, they sent me right back to um, they sent me right back to the Marines. So I did some time uh, back in Camp Pendleton again, second go around. Uh, from there, I went to uh, I started out at uh, First Combat Engineer Battalion uh, with you, Jim, Jamie, James. Um, did a couple of deployments with uh, with First CEB. Um, after about two years, I went to, uh, went to 511. I was at 511 for about a year. And then, uh, once I made chief, they, 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 they kicked me out of the battalion, sent me over to regiment. And I did my last year there at 11th Reg. And then, uh, as soon as I was done, I went to Hawaii, Fort Island center for security forces. I did that for, uh, did that for three years, uh, which was good duty. It was really the first time I, I got to get exposed to all the different race of the Navy. It was really my first Navy command. Um, and, uh, I ended up making senior chief there, um, after three years of, of, of shore duty in paradise, uh, I was up for sea duty again. And I thought that, uh, I'd, I'd get to do something different, but, uh, being a field medical technician, they said, oh, well, you've got to go back to the Marines. So I ended up going to, um, I ended up going back to, uh, to, to the Marine Corps side. So I ended up at three MEF in Okinawa, uh, did, did three years in, in, in Okinawa, with uh with three mess and then uh with three mhg and then uh from there i i i requested uh to uh, uh put in a package for the command program to be a command master chief and i got i got selected for it 2017 so uh once i got selected for it picked up master chief went to my first uh command uh the uss pioneer which is a which is a, a minesweeper one of the last uh wooden fleets of the navy 
Um, very much like combat engineer battalion, but on a ship. So, you know, instead of looking for IEDs, we're looking for mines and did that for about 18 months. And then, um, they moved me over to a bigger deck to an amphib, which was good because our primary open system is the United States Marine Corps, which I was very familiar with. And, um, I was a CMC on USS Germantown for uh, almost three years. And then uh, I said, you know what? I've been on I've been on sea duty operational for the last uh, eight years. It's time to go back to shore duty. So I uh, I finished off my uh, my career at Navy Talent Acquisition Group in Houston, two years there in the recruiting field as command master chief, and then I retired early this year, twenty twenty three. Man, congratulations on your retirement! Congratulations. What do you do now, and what do you do now that specifically helps vets? So. Uh, today I am a, uh, disability benefits, education and services consultant for a private company, uh, just for veterans, um, kind of fell into my lap. Not really what I wanted to do. Uh, I had, I had big dreams and aspirations of doing absolutely nothing <laughs> after retirement. And, um, you know, you run into so many people, you make, uh, you, you, you build such a vast network of, of of, uh, of good people throughout your, your time in the military. Um, and, uh, I just happened to run into a, a good friend of mine that I was stationed in, in, in Okinawa with, who I'd also been stationed in Hawaii with back in 2005, but, uh, he, he, he got me into his business and, um, you know, I, I immediately realized that, uh, it's, it's something that I'm good at. I think it's just cause, uh, you know, as a senior enlisted leader, James, you know, her, you know, we, we, we took care of people, right? We, we took care of people for 20 years and, and, it, and it's just something that, that comes natural to us. And it's just something that came natural to me. So it, it made a lot of sense. Um, and, uh, and that's how I, I got into what I'm doing today. All right. So a lot, a lot of what you do is you help, uh, vets with their VA claims, correct? Absolutely. I help, uh, I help veterans maximize on their disability. Uh, and it's not just compensation, but I also provide a lot of uh, additional educational services too. Uh, when it when it comes to their benefits, and it it, it just depends on what state they're living in, uh, what type of special programs they're already involved with. Um, I have a lot of clients that are not veterans. I have clients that are caretakers, um, you know, mothers, fathers, sons, daughters of veterans, uh, that I'm working with to help their loved ones continue to get the help and support. So it's not just, uh, you know, it's not just compensation, but it's other, it's all facets of, 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 um, of benefits, VA benefits. That's awesome, man, because, you know, what we see all the time is we see about how bad the VA is and how these people get screwed out of their benefits and how they got a low rating. Um, I'm on a couple of Facebook pages where all they do is talk about VA claims and how they got screwed over. Um, it's good to see that there's people like you guys out there helping these vets get to what they deserve. Cause it sucks, man. Like when you're going through that process and you're going with doctor's appointments and what you have to do just yeah. to get to what you deserve, you know, yeah. um, first topic that I really want to talk about, it's really hot in the veteran community is burn yeah. pits. Um, okay. so burn pits, number one, like how to file that claim and two, if you're already a hundred percent, uh, permanent total, should you open up a claim to get into that bird pit registry? Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Great, great, great question. Um, great topics The the bird pits, um, you know, the, the environmental, the environmental exposure, um, element of filing a claim, um, you know, that, that, 
it's a big part of, of, of the PACT Act for one. And, and number two, um, you know, it's a big problem for a lot of veterans, especially those who have served in areas where those environmental ha hazards were prevalent. Um, you know, you've got the burn print registry, which is good, right? That gets your name on the docket. It identifies yourself as somebody who's been exposed to, you know, those environmental elements. Um, but the big thing when it comes to filing a claim uh, that has to do with those environmental hazards is you've got to you've got to have the evidence to show that you were there. So your DD-214 is usually going to cover that, regardless if you're in the burn pit registry or not. Um, you know, that DD-214 is going to have that campaign medal that shows that you were either in support of, on the ground, at sea, or in the air, and even if it was just for a day. Uh, a lot of veterans think that you have to be boots on ground um, to have exposure to certain environmental elements, and that's just not the case at all. Um, but your DD-214 is going to be the big, uh, you know, the big um, uh, supporting evidence for that. Um, and then obviously you've got to have the, you know, you've got to have the, um, you know, the condition in your health record uh, that shows that you, you're having some type of complication or you were seen in the past for it or having issues, um, you know, due to that environmental hazard. So you could take, let, let, let's use me for an example, right? I'm 100% ENT. Um, I, I was diagnosed with asthma right before retiring due to the burbits. So I, I, I came in, I never had asthma. Um, I got diagnosed right before retirement. Um, yep. Would I be a person that you would suggest to try to get on that registry and reopen my, my case? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, know, be, you know, you being at 100%, you know, there's not really going to probably not going to be a monetary gain compensation wise, you know, from it. Um, I, I, you know, un, un, unless you're for somebody who's not at a hundred percent and you've had that exposure and you're exhibiting those, those signs and symptoms, you're, you've been diagnosed with asthma. I absolutely, you know, asthma is presumptive. So, you know, if that's something that you were diagnosed with after your military service, it's it, it's it's already presumed that because of your service in those areas uh, where the environmental hazard was 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 present, um, your chances or odds of getting you know winning that claim are are more likely than not favorable in your convenience, you know in in your case. So, to answer your question, yes, absolutely. Are there any disadvantages for the guys that are 100% PNT to reopen their case to add? Let's say, the yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and it's not just the burn pits, right? I mean, if you're at 100% PNT, um, you know, there, there there's always a disadvantage. Um, you know, there could be residual conditions because they're going to do additional testing for that, right? They might do X-rays. They might they might have you do a pulmonary function test or whatever new diagnostic tools that are available out there today. I mean, they could look into it. Uh, you know, they could look into your claim deep enough to, you know, to have to reevaluate your, you know, your, your current conditions. And if you have current conditions that are tied to maybe that are, are, are fallout or secondary to it, um, they're going to look at those too, you know, and, and there's always a, there's always a disadvantage or a risk there that, you know, if you have a condition that maybe you haven't been keeping up with, maybe you haven't been taking your meds or you haven't been to the VA in quite some time you know, for a condition that you're currently rated at, and they look at that condition because you filed for, you know, a new claim, you know, there's always a risk of, of, of getting decreased. So, 
you know, I always tell my clients that, you know, you've got to, I know you've got to keep up with all of your conditions just because you're at a hundred percent, even if you're at P and T, um, if something comes up, uh, you want to make sure that you are continuing to take care of yourself. You're continuing to, you know, refill on your medications, go to your appointments, do your therapy, um, keep up with it. Okay. So the biggest advice, especially like to the older, that's like the guys that were before us is to continue because a lot of them, excuse me, when they get um, PNT, they stop going right as they, they're done. Right. Everything is done. They can get it pulled away. Um, that's really good advice that, you know, keep maintaining those appointments, filling, refilling your meds. Um, uh, especially the, 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 the wounded warriors, the guys that got out that use like Semper Fi fund and the other organizations for assistance. Those organizations are going to ask to see your VA appointment. So they're going to want to see if you're still active within the VA. And that's going to be one of the biggest things that they use to either grant you what you need or to say no. Um, exactly. What about with, um, transitioning service members, whether they're, they're getting ready to separate or whether they're getting ready to retire. I know that's two huge different topics, but what do you see as the, um, the biggest mistake that these transitioning service members are making on their claims to that's not helping them get to where they need to be? Is it, for example, documentation in their medical record, not being complete prior to separating? Um, is it based off of how they wrote it up or who they saw? Uh, cause you, you, with all these people that are unsatisfied with their claim, there has to be something that they're even doing something wrong. It can't be the entire institution of the VA that's just screwing everybody over. Um, I think that might be some of the uh, service members that didn't educate themselves on the claim and how to do it and who to talk to properly and just try to do it like blind and yeah. they're not happy with what they receive. Yeah, you know, it, it's it it's interesting and frustrating at the same time, right? Because, you know, for one... For transitioning service members, you know, they, and I, I can say this cause I just went through it. Um, you know, they don't give you a lot of information when you go through that transition. Um, you know, you start attending taps, uh, GPS, whatever they call it now, you know, there, there's not a lot of information that is out there. Um, and the information that is, you know, you're already usually in that three month window or six month window prior to, you know, to, to getting out. And it's just not a whole lot of time to prep, right? So number one, I mean, you know, it's not something that is, is, is you know, they're not educating service members early enough on, on the process. So you've got BDD, um, which is, which is, which is for transitioning service members. You can file your claim for disability compensation up to 180 days before you, before your, um, your end of active duty service date. Um, one of the big mistakes that I see is, is, um, documentation is one for sure a lot of those things creep up right um we as service members i I think especially those that serve in and around the marine corps um i've seen it a lot you know it's you know we're not good at going to you know we're not good at going to see doc um you know we we don't want to get taken out of the fight for 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 any reason at all and so i you know we're, we're kind of brought up in that environment where you know it's either you know you suck it up and, and hope that it gets better. And then if it doesn't, you know, once I get back to the rear, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go to medical and get something checked out. Well, you know, by the time I get back to the rear, you know, I don't want to lose my time off and, 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 and time away from, you know, from, from home or, or, or the weekend or whatnot. So it's just a lot easy to, to just not do it. 
And so what ends up happening is you have a lot of you have a lot of issues that don't ever get documented. Um, you know, James, I mean, you you know, man, you know, you know, it was a lot easier to self treat, you know, and and um, a lot of times those those conditions they just don't get documented right so at least transitioning service members are having to go back um you know set up appointments when they go and get their appointments now they got to get a consult to see a specialist they go see that specialist that specialist may want them to do physical therapy for the next nine weeks you know and, and next thing you know they have to file a claim or they're either on their way out the door and so it's just not a fully developed treatment plan you know and so a lot you know i it, 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 it usually turns out unfavorable for, you know, for, for the veterans. So that's one, that's one issue that I see, you know, the, the lack of awareness, the education early on, uh, and then preparation. They also don't tell you what type of supporting evidence you really need to, you know, submit, put together when you're filing a claim. A lot of veterans, I, you know, I, what I'm seeing is for the transitioning guys is, you know, they're going online to the VA website, they're doing their VA claims or they're going through a VSO or whoever, or however they do it, and they just, they don't have the right supporting evidence. And that's, that, that's a big, that's a big part of, of the process is to make sure that you have enough evidence. You want to make, you want to make it as easy as possible on the VA. No, I get that. Is there any advice for like the service members who say are coming up on their 20 years, had an injury? you know, at their five, six year mark and never got it documented, is it too late because they self-treated or can they go back and have something annotated in their records in hopes that that'll benefit them once they transition out? Yeah. As long as they're still active, um, you know, it's not too late. Um, I, I, I had a, uh, I had a veteran recently, uh, that I'm still working with. Uh, he actually broke his finger, uh, on the ship. And uh, he went down to medical, and this was like five years ago, but he went down to medical. Um, the doc told him that, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was dislocated. And, um, and, and he never, you know, he never got it really treated um, until his last, I think he was within his last year of getting out. He finally went back as his fingers all, it's all deformed. And uh, he went and got x-rays done and the x-rays showed that he had a lot of scarring on his bone that showed that there was a fracture there. So he re you know, that was something that he got officially diagnosed, I think, you know, almost three or four years after the injury occurred. And, um, you know, and, and, and the VA recognized that because he filed a claim for it. We'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor of the show, MG3 Media. MG3 Media specializes in real estate media and marketing. If you are looking for an experienced team to capture incredible photos, videos, and virtual tours for your listings, MG3 Media is the team for you. Their photos have been featured in multiple magazines and they have been trusted to create stunning videos for multi-million dollar listings all across Southern California. Right now, MG3 Media is offering listeners of the Boots to Suits podcast 25% off their first photo shoot. Just go to mg3-media.com and click schedule now. Use promo code BOOTS2SUITS. That's boots, the number two suits, and get 25% off your next listing photos. I wanna take a moment to talk about a sponsor of the podcast, EGA Homes. You may know I am the founder and proud owner of EGA Homes, and we are anything but just another real estate brokerage. We've taken our military values and work ethic and carried it over to the real estate industry. Our team of agents have access to unparalleled marketing tools and training resources that help us grow our business and best help our clients achieve their goals. To learn more about how we can help you buy, sell, and even invest, 
Contact us at info at egahomes.com. And now back to the show. So one of my, my biggest advice, and you can definitely tell me if I'm wrong, that I when service members ask me when they should start um, filing their claim or start prepping, not filing yeah. claim, but prepping, I just tell them, once you're about two years out, you need to start prepping. You need to start going through your medical record and you need to start going into medical and getting all those things that you've seen for redone, re-diagnosed and up to date. Um, and I'm like, you don't need to be going to medical every single day, maybe once or twice a month starting at your two-year mark, just to get your medical record to where it needs to be, go to those consoles, go to physical therapy, because there's protocol for everything, right? Especially like musculoskeletal, which you know, like you're, they're just not going to send you to ortho. They're going to send you to physical therapy first. Then from physical therapy to ortho, it's just playing right names. Sheets. When I'm talking about the senior listed, because the the biggest problem I was having right before I retired was seeing a lot of these service members, the senior listed guys coming in, like I'm not signing up for him. I got all four limbs. I got all 10 uh, fingers. I got all 10 toes. That's for uh, the guys that got severely injured. But then, you know, you counter it and you look at, for example, the sailors and the Marines that come to the fleet, right? Right out of boot camp, right out of A school or MOS school. And they start complaining about psych issues and they end up having a kid and they end up getting separated within like their first year of being at duty and they're getting a hundred percent. Like, how is that fair? And that's like the, the, the thing that I would talk to the service members, especially my guys about, I'm like, so you served in multiple combat tours and you're saying that that person deserves it more than you. So I know it's a big stigma. And a lot of people on um, one of the guys that I'm going to send you is one that they didn't file a claim has yeah. the amount of information to do it, but just didn't do it. Um, with those, let's just say you, you know, you, you had a guy that got out. Let's say, we'll just even say we had a, a Vietnam vet, Vietnam vet come across your way didn't file a claim um is it too late for that definitely not too late um i've got six clients right now um all vietnam era guys and they are all at they're all at zero percent right now um filing a claim for the first time uh we had one guy well i'll tell you that story later but yeah so i've uh, the it's definitely not too late um i it's sad because, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of these guys, especially the ones that I'm working with, they didn't want to file a claim because they didn't feel there was anything wallowing or they knew a lot of people that went through a lot more shit than they ever did. And they didn't feel like they were worthy. Um, and you know, and that's okay for them to think that, you know, that's their personal belief. Um, but, you know, I think when you start coming at a certain age and your body starts to feel it more and more, um, you know, I think you hit that point in your life where you realize, you know, I think, it, you know, I've got I've to take care of myself. You know, this isn't about receiving compensation. This isn't about, you know, getting it, uh, uh, you know, getting a check from the VA. This is about getting good benefits for my health um, that... You know, I'm not able to do on my own anymore, regardless of what I believe in. And that's what I'm seeing right now with a lot of these older veterans. They're realizing that they can't do it on their own. You know, they can't do it on their own anymore. You know, they, 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 they need help. And what's sad is that I tell them that, you know, there's, there's so many conditions out there that the VA can give you benefits and, and compensation for that they had no clue. They had. They did not realize. You know, you could, dental, you could, dental's one. 
A lot of people don't realize uh, you can get compensation for dental. You get compensation. You can grind your teeth at night. You know, that's that's up to 30%. You know, if, if you've ever had dry eyes in your life, that's 10%. What, you know, let me ask you a question. I'm going to talk about your hands real quick, right? If you've ever been scared, nervous, afraid, anxious, what do you think happens to your hands? They get sweaty. They get sweaty. That's thirty percent. For real? I'm serious. Hey, I mean, I didn't know about all that because you know when everyone talks about VA claims, they try they're going for big ticket items. They're not looking in the weeds. They're they're not looking into the weeds. You know, I mean, there's so many there's so many day to day things that people have that they don't even realize. You know, there's so many there there's so many things, and they don't realize that. Um, they don't realize that it's probably stemming from a, a you know a more deeper rooted issue that they they just did not want to dive into, or they may probably felt that it wasn't as severe as 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 the next guy, you know. And so you know to answer your question, it's never too late. And 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 my thing is is you know the earlier the better, because so all, you know if go ahead. If we went back to like the, the Vietnam bit, how how are you? How are you pro, uh, providing proof of their documentation? Because a lot of them, they don't have that documentation to right. for a while they're right. service. Um, right. Yeah, I heard you can you know you can apply and try to get your your medical record. If, but back then they didn't really have good accountability of records. Yeah. So for that Vietnam vet that doesn't have his medical record, um, let's say boots on ground infantry in Vietnam. Yeah. So you know we saw some stuff. You know what I mean? How would they go about trying to? to file that claim without the supporting documentation. So the first thing they got to do is they've got to go to the National Archives website. They fill out a form to request their entire personnel file, and they can actually request their medical records, DD-214, their service records, and any file document that the military ever had on file. If it was if it was submitted, um, then, then, they, then they'll have it on file. It takes eight to 10 minutes. You go on there, it's a five-step process. They fill it out. And then within 30 days, sometimes less, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll receive it electronic and they'll send them a hard copy in the mail. And that's their foundation. That's their document and proof um, oh. of who they are, where they served, and what they have. Um, question for you. So as far as, um, obviously, we know where we're at and we're in California in the year. Um, how does cannabis use affect the VA kind of the claim process for some of these guys? What are some of the advantages, disadvantages? Can you speak on some of that? Yeah, I can speak a little bit on it. Um, you know, I, I, I've seen more. It depends on what it's being used for. You know, um, I'm not a, I'm not a neuropsychologist, so I can't tell you what the, you know, what the, I can't tell you what the psychological part of the decision-making process of you know using cannabis to manage your day-to-day life and your condition I, I i couldn't tell you how that impacts truly the occupational and social functions of a veteran you know their ability to go and do that use that to to treat i, I couldn't tell you how that just that process how that affects so i you know it, it's it, it there are some impacts to answer your question. There are some impacts and it, and, and it just depends on what they're using it for. Right. So we could definitely talk about this topic at length, but 
um, you're definitely seeing an increase in cannabis use within the veteran community, right? Yes. Um, the veteran community is starting to turn away from all the, the like for traditional yeah. medicine, yeah, traditional medicine for the guys who are dealing with PTSD, right? Uh, we know, I know, you know, uh, being a corpsman that they start with the low dose and they keep trying to creep you up. If it doesn't work, they switch you to another medication. If that doesn't work, you go to another medication. The, the benefits, they really don't outweigh the risk of the weight gain the ups and downs of your mood it's like you're a guinea pig right so a lot of the veterans are turning to cannabis use which even the va is doing studies on right for vets with ptsd to get away from all those medications and just stick with something that's a little bit more natural that doesn't have any more side effects um doesn't make them feel like a zombie um that's a lot of the stuff that we hear about from the other vets yeah absolutely and and i'm starting to notice a lot more um different types of therapies being used. And, um, you know, personally, I think it's, it's becoming more and more, you know, accepted as, as, as an alternative. Um, I haven't seen any huge disadvantages, um, for, you know, for veterans that, 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 that they state that they use cannabis, you know, to, to, to treat. Um, but I have noticed it more and more, and it's definitely becoming, you know, a thing for, for, for veterans, um, among other, other drugs. Um, yeah, I, I think it's going to rise, James, honestly, I think it's going to, you know, we're going to continue to see a lot more resort to that. Another thing too, is, you know, for, you know, veterans that have multiple conditions, they're on a shitload of drugs, man. I mean, oh, they don't are. Feels when I retired. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it it is insane. Um, I I've got a cocktail list of of medications that I am prescribed, and I can tell you that I've been to the ER, um, on more than a, a few occasions because, as a side effect of of some of the some of the medications that I'm taking, you know, I mean, it's like it's fucking up my kidneys. Um, I'm you know I'm getting abdominal pains here and there. Uh, depending on what time I take it and what I'm, you know, if I've eaten or not, or if I, you know, if I've consumed enough water, um, all these variables and factors, you know, and it's, it's just becoming a lot more and more, it's becoming more and more challenging, you know? So it's, it's, it's easy. It's easy to, you know, to see veterans, you know, use an alternative, you know, to, to, to help them through, you know, some mm -hmm. of the issues that they're experiencing for sure. The biggest topic that I really wanted to talk to you about is going to be Camp Lejeune and the water issue with uh, those members back from the 80s and early 90s, I believe, yeah. um, that were out there that dealt with that contaminated water that are now, um, the VA is not really, they're having all def difficult times running their compensation in. Um, can you talk about that and maybe a different outlook and how to look at it and filing your claim if they're hitting roadblocks with the, the VA? Yeah, I mean, you know, for, for, for anyone that, that for anyone that meets the criteria for exposure, in this case, you know the you know the the, the Camp Lejeune water, um, for anyone that falls into that category, number one, you know you've you, you've got to make sure that you got the documentation to show that you were you were stationary, um, you were there within that 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 time frame, um. Number two, if, if you feel, if you have been diagnosed with the condition, it's important to make sure that you, you get that documentation because that's what you're going to want to submit to the VA when you file for, for a disability compensation. You want to, you want to submit that as evidence. Um, 
that's going to be the number one thing. And um, having the documentation, having the supporting evidence to show that you were there, um, those are the two most biggest things that you, that anybody should have uh, going into it. Have you seen anyone approved with 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 these claims yet, or from my head? I have not. I have not. But what I can tell you is, is that they're going to treat it the same way that they would any other um, claim. So they're going to treat the condition, or I mean, not not treat the condition, but they're going to um, they're going to evaluate the condition. They're going to look at the circumstances under which you 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 got it. Um, you know, as a presumptive, as a presumptive meaning that you know if you if you were in that in that area or location where the, where you had exposure, um, and then you developed this condition after the fact, you know that's what they're they're gonna they're gonna label it as a presumptive, um, and then they're going to evaluate the condition itself, right? So you don't have to worry about that service connection, so to speak, right? Um, but yes, they will they will evaluate it just just like any other condition. If you developed a cancer, um, if you developed a cancer. You know they're 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 going to assess you for that. Um. The other thing, right before we kick off, if if you were here right now, sitting in front of a uh, two transitioning service members, what advice would you give them getting ready for them to file their claim? All right. So, what I would tell you is, make sure that you've got all your medical records your documentation, um, anything that you have any concern about, and, I, and and it doesn't matter what it is, if it's bothering you physically, emotionally, mentally, um, spiritually, go and, and, and talk to someone, go see someone, get treated for it, inquire, ask questions, and see if there's anything there. Get it documented. Because you may not be exhibiting those signs and symptoms today, and maybe you want, but if you're not, you know, that's something that could potentially come out 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now. Right. Um, I will tell you to submit your claim early, 180 days out. Do it 180 days out. And that way, that way they will, you know, the, the VA can make a decision at your end of active duty service date. And then you can receive your, your, your disability compensation, you know, uh, as scheduled, uh, which is, I think, two months, two months after your, your last day of service. Uh, but you do it early. You do it early so that, you know, you can maximize up front. Uh, go see a VSO. Go see a veteran service officer. They will look through your record and they will tell you exactly what VA forms you've got to fill out, you know, to to um, to start the process and to file a plate. Um, do all of that early, 180 days, so that you're not falling behind when you, you know, when you get close to your, your end of active duty service date. Do you have anything else from no, I feel that was a good one. Um, all right. I think, do you have anything for us, AJ? Dan, um, I don't think I do. It's just, uh, you know, it's just an absolute, absolute pleasure, you know, to be able to, um, you know, just, just, just to be here to have a conversation with you, with both of you. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not every day that we get to connect, um, you know, share our thoughts, um, engage in some fellowship and to help fellow veterans out. Um, you know, this is truly a, bl a blessing. I appreciate the opportunity, James Herb, and um, you know, I hope that we can continue doing uh, things like this in the future for other veterans. Um, help them out, help others out, and give each other the you know the the, the platform, you know, to to make a difference. So I really appreciate the opportunity.
if there's any um, veterans out there or transitioning service members trying to get in contact with you for your service, um, how would they go about that? Um, call me. Call me. Text me. Uh, majority of the veterans that I help out have been through referrals. Um, I get phone calls, multiple phone calls, and text messages every single day. Uh, my number is 808-374-2944. Um, my email is aj at justforveterans.com. And uh, if you go on Facebook, you do a search, uh, AJ Tyler, um, you'll see my page there. Uh, but usually a phone call or text message, best way to get in touch with me, and I'll always get back to you same day.